but to continue to work even when I don't feel it, that motivates me. Because eventually it's it's like this ebb and flow thing on the ocean. Um, so you have your highs and you have your lows. And if you've done it often enough, you know the ocean will never stop moving. So it's the same with your creativity. This is Allison Jacobs with the Creative Frame Podcast, and today I'm talking with Uta Reckhorn, who goes by California Lover on almost all the platforms. We'll be talking about trying different techniques and genres, finding yourself through your photography, building relationships locally through projects, and what it means to be an intuitive photographer. So let's jump right in. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me to talk today for the Creative Frame Podcast. Good morning, Allison. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you about creative photography, about how you use your light, and all about your love for Lens Baby, and maybe a few other things if we have time. Absolutely. So let's jump in, and I would love for you just to share a little bit about how you got into photography and what your main area of focus is right now. All right. So I got into photography when my youngest started preschool and I realized, oh, the house is becoming very quiet. I need something to do. And my husband had bought himself a DSLR that was sitting on a desk and no one was using it and looked like very inviting. So I picked it up and I it came with a little CD and a booklet and it looked simple. I was like, okay, I can master that. So and that was, I think, by now eight, eight years ago. And um, yeah, long story short, turned out it wasn't so easy. So it took me quite a long time to create the pictures that I had envisioned. So I found that frustrating for the first few years that I saw something in nature and I took a picture and it looked like nothing, you know, like nothing that I had envisioned. It was just a picture and I was so frustrated. And it took me a long time to understand that you first need to learn the basics like aperture and shutter speed and really really master that before you can create something even close to meaningful so now once I had covered that I um, was in love for a long time like every beginning photographer I guess with wide open um, aperture pictures blurry backgrounds but I still hadn't discovered light so that was a few years later when I Again, got to a point where I was like, oh, man, this still doesn't look like the pictures that I admire, you know. So, And then I started wondering, what do I admire? What is it? Why, why do some pictures have this kind of atmosphere? And my work is lacking that. And I think then the next step for me was to start to um, discover the light and work with the light and, and be intentional about my use of light. And that changed everything. And then I got to a point where I was satisfied for a while but even then I felt there is still no real magic in my pictures so for a while I was trying documentary photography and it got better with with better use of light but I don't know somehow it did not really feel like I was creating what I was meant to do and then I discovered lens baby and that was probably the turning point in my photography because then I started to see something I felt was magical in my work that I had missed before. So, and before working with Lens Baby products, I had tried stuff like um, long exposures, double exposures, and that was interesting. But I, I didn't feel it was my 
my kind of speed to, to work that way because I'm very intuitive in my work. And to have to set the camera beforehand, before I start creating to, oh, today I want to work with double exposures to make that step in my mind to, that was hard for me. And I often forgot about it. And the same with um, long, long exposure. I just couldn't get um, results that were um, uh, planned. You know, it was more like a nice coincidence. And then when I discovered Lens Baby, um, it felt like I had the tools that I needed to continue in my intuitive work style. And yeah, I never looked back. That was probably in 2015, I guess. So five years ago or maybe four years ago, something like that. And that really has helped me to become the photographer that I had envisioned when I first picked up the camera in 2012. I think the way that you broke that down is so helpful for all photographers, whether you're there at the beginning stage, middle stage, or they're more at the advanced stage where you are being thoughtful about each part of that process of learning is so helpful, I think. Um, and so there's a, a couple of points that I want to go back and, and revisit. I remember when I was first starting that stage of seeing the photos that I wanted to create and not being able to get there quite yet and, and seeing that gap. And so I can appreciate that you can describe that. And one thing that I really like that you mentioned that I think is so helpful as well is looking at what you like and what you think you want to create and then trying to figure out how to get there as well. And the process that you went through of finding out that creating some of those things actually didn't fill you up or they didn't really bring you that creative joy that you were looking for, for example, the long exposures and kind of learning what works for your shooting style and learning what kind of photographer you are. And I think that's so helpful and interesting as a good reminder. There's so many different kinds of ways to shoot and so many different genres and tools that we can use that it can be a process sometimes. You've got to try different things. I, I honestly think it has to be a process. I mean, there might be very few very gifted people who know exactly for their entire life what they want to become. But for me, I'm just not that kind of person. So it was really important to try to be a documentary photographer and to realize, maybe I'm not that good at that. And to try long exposures and to understand, oh, I love the work that the other photographer can create with that, but I do not like it for myself. It's just not my voice. And then to try double exposures and to see, oh, that is interesting, but I do not like how I have to approach my photography because I need to think before I shoot. And then for me with Lens Baby, um, what really shifted everything was to start to use prisms. And that really helped me because it is such an intuitive approach. You don't have to think, oh, today I want to do a double exposure. Today I set my camera to two exposures instead of one. And then to have this little piece of glass with me that I always have in my pocket and to be able to just reach for it and then to play with it instead of to plan all ahead of time, that made a big difference for me. But I think I would not have appreciated it if I hadn't tried all the other stages. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's really something that you have to go through to grow. You cannot grow if you don't make mistakes, if you don't try... Um, things that are not meant to be yours but they in the end are still kind of yours because you went through it and you know how to do that and it gives you tools and 
it also gives you ideas. It makes you more creative because you've covered it and maybe you can use it for another project in the past or maybe it helps you eventually in what you want to become. And I think you actually incorporate some of those things in your work through using other tools, maybe. Like, for example, with the double exposures, uh, you have some beautiful images that look like they could be double exposures, but I know that you got there Mm -hmm. through a different avenue. I know you were using the Lens Baby tools, but yet it has that feeling of sort of that time captured, that dual time captured, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And so I also think what you just said is exactly true. Some of those pieces that you tried, I think come through in your work now and even getting to that end or not the end, cause we're never at the end. Right. But getting never, you know, working through that process and finding that light is something that you really look for. And mm-hmm. then using the lens baby to really enhance that. Because I feel like when I look at your work as a whole, one of the first things I think of is, is light and how you use light. And it's just I, I feel I'm lost for words. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. I, I feel that I almost was pushed to do that kind of work because living in California, I mean, you get gorgeous sunrises and sunsets almost every single day. And I moved to California five years ago to Southern California, and I didn't really want to move here. So we moved as a family to Los Angeles, and my husband was in love with our location, and I honestly hated it. I don't think looking back that I had reasons to hate it, but we had moved very often. We had moved for the last 20 years, almost every other year with three kids. And I was just exhausted. And that was the one move that was the one too many for me. And then after almost going through a depression, I think I came to the point where I realized I have to find something that I can love. I have to, um, try to to make myself love where I am I think I I read this quote I don't really remember the the um, exact wording about it's basically bloom where you planted and that made sense to me at that time was like man that's a good approach I should try to find something that I can like here and it was the light for me so I started to go out almost every afternoon with my camera in hands it gave me a break a time away from the family that I really um, enjoyed and um, so light and um, pushing myself to love something led to um, integrating it into my work and to approaching it um, more mindful to want to find out about light so first I think the first thing I did then was to shoot into the sun that was new for me you know and then I had like tons of blown up pictures that I still love and at that time, I was part of a um, camera club. <laughs> and I, I still remember how I asked for a review. And I looked at my pictures, and they were very kind. But they basically said, um, all this is beautiful, but um, maybe Ted overexposed. <laughs> and looking back, I mean, of course, I, I was in love with my work. I was like, oh, you just don't see the beauty in it. But now looking back, it's like, yeah, it was very overexposed. But, you know, another step in, in the long journey to, in the end, mastering the light in a way that I enjoy it, that I like it. And that might still not be everybody's cup of tea. So I think there might be technical, more technical photographers out there who still would judge my work and feel it's not what they would do. But that's okay. I'm at the point where I love what I create and where I feel like the, the years of work with light paid out. And 
yeah, it fills my own cup of tea. So, and there's an audience for it. Everybody's got a little bit of a not not a little, but everybody's got a different voice and a different style that they bring to their art of photography. And for you, the way you use light is a part of your voice. And I can definitely see your Instagram handle, California Lover. I feel like when mm-hmm. you look at your Instagram feed, you can definitely see that love for the ocean and for the light and for this area. So I'm glad that you figured out what that was that could help you get more settled after you guys moved, because I, mm-hmm. I think that that's a part of your journey that's brought you to this place where you are now as an artist. And I can see that in your work. How do you think your art or your photography has changed? I mean, you just described how it's changed a little bit since you guys have been here, but do you think that living in a lot of different places has also played into definitely. your voice? Yes, definitely. So um, when I look at my own work, I no, let's, let me put it that way. When I talk to people about my work, I often hear that they feel that it is unique. I do not really see it because it's what I produce. Of course, I don't think it's unique, but I find it interesting that I get that feedback so often. And I think that is due to all the extensive traveling that we have done as a family. So since 1997, um, we've moved all around the world. So we lived in Korea for a while. And after that, we moved to Brazil, where our second son was born. And then we moved back to Germany for a few years before we eventually moved to the United States. And then from Michigan, we moved to South Carolina. And from there to San Francisco and back to Michigan. And now we are in LA. And I think all that had an impact. Because first of all, it made me see a lot of things that I would have never discovered if I would have stayed in Germany and also the beauty about is all the things that I have learned but there is a downside to it it's really hard to be part of a community of people so when you move somewhere and you have an accident or you did not grow up there you need to find your own tribe and since we moved so often like I said for like 20 years every other year there was never really enough time to build this group around us so I often felt like an um, immigrant like um, an outsider so that was hard for me but it also helped me to eventually overcome it and say you know what I will find my own tribe I will find people who have a similar lifestyle who understand where I'm coming from um in a way to just let go of all the expectations and I've done the same in my photography I'm like you know what I have to talk with an accent I know I make mistakes I know there are a lot of people who roll their eyes and that's fine but there are also other people who like me the way I am there are even some people who admire me fine so and then I decided to do the same with my photography I realized I cannot be that uh glossy product photographer I'm not that good as a documentary photographer, but the things that I love to do, I, I, like you said, there is an audience. And at one point I just decided, you know, it it really doesn't matter if I know who will like it. It really matters that I like it. And I think that is the, the whole history of moving and moving and moving again and trying to belong somewhere has helped me to, to have this attitude to say it's okay. I think that confidence comes through. We've been, I feel, 
lucky that I've been able to meet you in real life. And I think that confidence comes through when I talk with you and when I see your work as well. And I, I admire, I admire that confidence because I think there is a place that we have to come to where we are creating work that is, we know is our style. We know it's our voice and be confident in putting it out there, regardless of whether or not we know there's an audience for it. If that is something that brings us joy. And I think there's a lot of reasons why you can get into photography and I think it's okay for one of those reasons, if not even more than okay to be that it brings you joy and it brings you life and it is something that you love to do. Even yeah, if and I, I totally agree with all you said. And I, I mean, looking back, I even feel it's not only okay for many people, it's so beneficial because you discover yourself through all that. And it's also a possibility to come to peace with yourself. I mean, to to understand what's going on, where you are in life, how you feel. Um, I often think about photography as therapy because that's how it started for me. Like I said, my house was starting to be empty and I felt a little overwhelmed by that. I was like, oh my God, I have been a mother for 13 years nonstop and now the youngest is going to preschool. My job is coming to an end. Who am I now? And for many years, I just didn't know who I was. I really had lost that ability to answer that question because you know how it goes if you um, only answer your to the, to the needs of your family. Um, there's not much space left for yourself. And you stop wondering if you have needs because you have to be there for all of their demands. And it was good for me to start, to, to, to start that journey where I had to take myself serious again. And I remember there was a photographer um, a few years into my photography journey. And she was like, yeah, your work is pretty. Um, and that already was a hit for me. It was like, pretty. Hmm. <laughs> and she's like, how do you really feel? And I was like, what do you mean? And then she asked one more question. And that was like something along the lines, are you happy? Are you happy where you are right now? And you know what? I started crying that day because she put the finger on my on this spot. You know, it was like a raw spot. And she hit that point. And I started crying because I had to admit, actually, I'm not happy. My oldest just um, left home and he's going to college. And um, I live in a house that I don't like. I live in a city that I don't like. I, I don't even know how I ended up getting here. And that was the first time for me that I admitted that you know, it was shocking. It was shocking at that moment. It was like, really, this is how I feel? Am I making this up? Because until then, I had this huge wall that kept everything inside me. And then was that question, and with her comments about my pictures, it all came out. And I knew, I knew she was right. My pictures were nice. They were as superficial as my own dealing with my life, you know? Don't touch it. Don't touch it. <laughs> Let's not look into it. This is hard. I think that's a really great description of one way that photography can help us heal. And I've found that to be true for me as well. Even something that seems so simple as putting out on Instagram or social media, a photo that I love that I've created that I feel emotional about 
that's not just a pretty photo that meets sort of the technical standards, but it's vulnerable. And I don't know if people can understand that if they haven't experienced that as a photographer, how it feels to create something with all of your heart and soul and put it out there for other people to maybe make a judgment call on. And so I think that kind of circles back to the confidence that you've been able to build in not only pouring yourself into your art, but then also having the confidence to say, this is who I am and putting Mm -hmm. it out there. Um, so I love that she was able to hit that with just one question. And then that was also a turning point for you to dive deeper into how you create and what you're bringing to life and putting out there. Right. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm grateful too now, but at that time it was hard. (laughs) Right. Right. Really hard. Yeah. Those intense questions can really, can really be hard. I, don't think there's as many avenues for getting that kind of push or that wasn't constructive criticism, but I know when you're looking at improving as a photographer, constructive criticism can really be helpful. I like the idea of asking open-ended questions. This is Mm -hmm. pretty. Are you happy? How are you feeling about this? Or how are you feeling about your life? Because we do pour ourselves into our photography. And so I think that's a great question that we can all ask ourselves. Right our photos and then trying to see, is this really showing what I want it to show or could I dig a little bit deeper? And I think that the California piece I can relate to in your story as well, because I've been here for 10 years. So I feel like I can relate to your moving to California and then trying to figure out how to incorporate that into your photography, because I felt Like I did the same thing. I've been here for 10 years and we love to travel as a family. And even if we are just traveling in California, I still really had focused my photography on new places. I love to see new places. I love to meet new people. I love to photograph other places, but having to focus in over these last, well, since March, last nine, 10 months on my own space around me has really pushed me to try to figure out how to photograph California. No, I I hear what you say. And I find it interesting because I've made a very similar experience. It's like you're pushed to stay in your neighborhood. And I think many people consider California as being a paradise for photographers. But then again, it's your home. So it all of a sudden can be very hard to make it look pretty or special because it's like your neighborhood. So you get used to it. Right. And then the pandemic happened and all of a sudden we had to work harder. We could no longer escape. And I discovered beauty in places that I had not seen in the past anymore because it was just part of my own backyard, you know? So I really think the pandemic was helpful for all of us to put on your glasses to see your own um, backyard through a new lens. Yes. Yes. And that's part of, I think what I saw or what I've seen in this most recent part of my journey is that I've been able to focus more on the areas around me that like you mentioned, a lot of people consider to be a paradise and Mm -hmm. yet for me, it was my every day. And so Mm -hmm. it was more interesting to travel and focus on photographing new places than it was to photograph the places that I see all the time. But now yep. I feel like this has given me a new lens and a new perspective 
to fall in love more with where I am and where I live Mm -hmm. right now. So one thing that you've done with your daughter that I love is your local project. Yes, um, South Bay. Yes, let's talk a little bit about that. How did you guys decide to start up that project? So for me, now that the year is coming to an end, we all talk about how 2020 was such a crazy year and um, so many obstacles and so devastating. And yes, it was. On the other hand, like you say, to almost going back to this comparison about living in California and your own backyard and how you get used to things. um, I felt like once the pandemic started, someone took all my standards away and it was very liberating for me Um, because everything, our normal was gone. I could allow myself to go crazy. So I, um, it all started for me with a photography project that was started on the East Coast by a photographer um, in Massachusetts, I guess. I forgot the city. I'm blanking here. Her name is Cara Celia, and she started the Frontsteps Project. So I asked her if I could participate, and I found out about her during the first 24 hours of the project. Needham, in Needham. She lives in Needham. Um, She said yes, and she was very generous. Uh, She um, gave me all the information, and I participated in her project. So it was a great experience. We went out, we took pictures of family on their front steps in front of the houses, and the idea was to create within five minutes from a safe distance a family portrait so everyone would have something later in life to be able to go back and say, this is how we looked and lived when 2020 went crazy and we all suffered um, because of COVID. And then that project came to an end. We um, collected a lot of donations. So it was wonderful. I think nationwide, um, there were $3.5 million collected in donations um, by all the photographers. So a lot of people came together and supported the project. Um, so that project came to an end. And the summer break started. And I realized, hmm, pandemic is not coming to an end, but my project is ending. So what do I do now? And I wanted to do something else. And I started talking to my daughter and she's at high school and um, she's into journalism. And together we sat down, what could we do? What could we do? And then short story is that we decided to to support local businesses in a very similar way. So we went out and started talking to local um, business owners here in the South Bay of Los Angeles. And we took a picture of them in front of the business. We interviewed them and then we published their story or we featured their stories on an Instagram account that we specifically created for that project. We call it Faces of South Bay. And um, in the beginning, we were a little shy, I guess. Our pictures were very, um, not saying much. And um, I, as a photographer, I had to learn how to step up and how to tell people what kind of picture I want. So it was very interesting. And then for my daughter to really also step up and to lead a conversation, not only to listen to someone, to also come up with a game plan and to have, um, structure behind her interviews. So by now we have in, uh, interviewed over 70 business owners and um, it's been super interesting for us. And I think we created a small community within the community where um, people start waiting for our stories to come out and they really want to hear about little business owners. And there were so many interesting people that we have met that had great business ideas. So we met with um, business owners that have been in business for many years or even decades, but we also met a lot who had just recently started a new businesses 
uh, due to COVID because they were at home and all of a sudden they had more time and they needed the little push to get the information out. And we have met amazing artists who have like amazing projects. And it was just a wonderful experience. And we're still doing that. So that that is um, something positive that was born out of COVID. And it's a great way to highlight the small business owners that I know that we've all heard a lot of uh, we've all heard a lot about through COVID because they're some of the businesses that are struggling the most to stay afloat yes. right now. And so it's yes. also a way for you guys to support your local businesses and help. Yeah. Them. And that was, that was probably the most important part of that is that Clara and I, my daughter, um, we actually wanted to go to a bookstore and we Googled because we're like, we, we don't want to go to a chain. We do not want to order on Amazon. We want to go to a local bookstore. And then we realized within a vicinity of 30 miles around our house, there was one bookstore left. And that really made us think, it's like, oh my God, it's almost already too late. But what if bookstores struggle so hard? What is going on with other businesses? And this made us curious. And that was a big motivator for us to go out and um, because in the beginning, you're no one, you know, you're just a person who's asking questions. Now we have like over a thousand followers, you know, it feels a little more real. <laughs> but in the beginning, it was like, even my daughter, she's like, mom, do you really want to start with an Instagram account with one follower? You know, I was bored out of my mind. I'm like, yeah, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> I love we how it's so, so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it did. Oh, it, it was, it's like a snowball effect you know because no more and more people know about it and it's kind of fun to watch how they um, make it bigger while giving the whole project a little more um, respect you know people ask now and they reach out and they, can you feature us too and it's fun it's really fun and another positive effect is that for us we were not really so connected to this community here we live on a hill in the subdivision, and I said, as I said, we uh, moved to LA five years ago to this specific house a year ago. I never thought about that in the beginning, but now I feel like I um, grow my own roots by that project because now I know so many people. You know, I can go to a coffee store, and I I I know the owner, not only the barista, and they know me through the project. And by now, we know so many stores and their owners and their and their story, and it's like. Um, the roots that we never had in the beginning. Now we have those. And yeah, that's great. I was thinking about that when you were talking, how earlier you were mentioning that, that sense of community that you were looking for. And I was thinking about the number of different ways that you have built that community that you were, that you were looking for. You built it and people have continued to come to you. You've built it with the faces of South Bay. You've built it with the lens baby piece with your photography right. with um you do local photo walks as well I know yep. and that's another yep. way to that you have created some of that community that you were looking for and I think that it's a great example for other people to be inspired to think I have this idea for a project could I really start with one Instagram follower yes why not you never know where it might lead. And if it doesn't lead anywhere, that's okay too. You're still right. going to learn from it. You're still Absolutely. going to grow from it. There's still going to be benefits you can find from it. Right. And I mean, yeah. why not Why not try something out? I honestly have more than two Instagram accounts. So two took off. There are four more that never took off. And that's fine too. You know, I had other ideas. Like I also wanted to become a birth photographer and um, that didn't happen. But it's okay. You know, I tried. So 
and you never know what's going to stick and what's yeah, going to work for exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's about being honest. Are you really interested in that? And as long as you're interested, there will come, something will come out and there will be something that you enjoy and where you will be, okay, even if I don't have a massive following on Instagram on this specific account, it could still be something that is joyful to you. I mean, taking those pictures is still fun, right? But maybe, like you said, you're lucky. And I feel the more you try, the more likely it is that eventually one thing will be your success. And it isn't just about the number on Instagram. It's about the real world impact. And in this case, the real world impact is that you have gotten to know a lot of small business owners in your area and you're connecting them to each other as well. Like you said, you're having people reach out. Can you feature us? And can we be on there? And you're connecting people to each other in your community. And that's more important than a million Instagram followers. Absolutely. And then we do giveaways and that's fun too. You know, we just had a book artist. That's one of the stories that I um, really enjoyed. And what she did is she takes books and she opens them up and then she cuts them in a certain way. So you have words. And I found that so fascinating. And then she did a giveaway and the book ended up going to one of her neighbors. But she didn't know that because we picked the, the winner out of all the people who have participated. And then we gave her the name. We said, okay, giveaway is coming to an end. This is your winner. Please contact her. And then eventually both of them contacted us again and were like, hey, this was such a fun experience. We were neighbors. We had never um, known each other. We had never met. But I think this might even become a friendship, you know? So that was cool. That's awesome. I didn't know if you were going to say it went to, you know, somebody in another country or if it went to a neighbor, but I love that it went to a neighbor because I think that's just one great example of how it's connecting um, people to each other that are there that are local. Okay. So speaking of projects, I know that you also recently had the opportunity to teach at an online conference. I don't know if you have more teaching projects coming up in the works, or if you want to share a little bit about how that went for you and your recent teaching? Oh, yeah, of course. I I always have stuff coming up because that's how I roll and uh, what makes me grow. So if I don't have a project in mind, I almost feel like I'm stalling and I hate that. Um, Yeah, in December, I taught at an online conference and it was organized by LensBaby. And since I love the uh, products, since I love the products so much, it was easy for me to say yes. So they asked us to um, produce um, a piece with a video, so a real movie about our work, about a certain subject. In my case, it was about my work, about my creative process. And we had three weeks to create that um, video. And um, I said yes. And then when I started working on it, I um, actually questioned my own sanity. I was like, oh, my God. It was a lot, but um, it worked out. And I think it was inspirational for many people. So a lot of people um, gave me feedback afterwards and they really um, enjoyed the openness. And I'm grateful for my kids because all three of them were involved. I could not have done it without them. So my oldest son has a drone that really helped. And then my younger son was doing the video um, tapes on, on the iPhone. And then my daughter helped me to structure everything. So it was in the end a family project. But um, yeah, projects, is this is for me probably the most important thing to grow as a photographer, to keep myself reliable, to say yes to deadlines. Um, one of the very first projects that I did many years back was a 365 project where you take a picture per day. 
And that's something I'm going to do again because you asked about upcoming projects. So um, I'm working with um, a very talented photographer. Her name is April Milani and she has her own platform. And she asked me to moderate a 365 project with her on her um, Gather Academy platform. So that's my nearest adventure. And you can join me there. So Yes, I was I was actually just thinking I've never succeeded on a project 365. But that being said, I have started them a lot. And all the years that I started it, and I've always been one of those people that started it in January. And no matter how many months I made it, I always ended up with more pictures that I would that I that I wouldn't. I always ended up with more pictures than I would have had if I had not done it at all. So even if I took pictures for three months and I stopped, that was three months worth of pictures where I picked up my camera every day and I could still see growth just from those smaller timeframes. Even if I can't say I officially have finished an entire 365 project. No. And I feel you nailed it. This is what it is about to commit to it for however long you can make that happen. I mean, some people do like three in a row and others do it for a few weeks or a few months. And it, I mean, that doesn't matter. This is not what it is about, but to be able to commit yourself to your photography for a certain time frame is so beneficial. And this is what I love about it and why I do it and why I will do another one this year. Um, and like I said, join me if you want to gatheracademy.com. And um, it's open to the public. So whoever wants to join can do that. And um, we are trying to grow another community there for like-minded photographers and to give ourselves room for our creative process. So along with something like a Project 365, I think that those are the kind of projects that can also help you tune in to the kind of photographer you are. And I want to go back to yeah. the very beginning when you All mentioned right. that you feel like you, you are an intuitive photographer. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means to you or how you would define that? Yes, I can try. So in my household, my daughter and I, we have a very good relationship, but in a way we live on polar ends of a scale. So she's a Virgo and she's super organized. She loves to plan. And the older she gets, the more aware I became of these skills. And um, it made me also aware that I don't have those skills. So I'm an adventurer. Um, I do not like to plan things, but I do like to adjust and to react and to go with the flow. So I really, I think if you would picture, um, want to paint a picture, I like to catch balls. I do not like to put them in a row and prepare the field for the game. So, and this is my kind of photography. I'm very intuitive. I mean, if I see something, if it speaks to me, I will raise my camera. I have my camera or some kind of camera always on me. It can be my iPhone. Um, it can be a smaller camera. It is of my DSLR. And um, for me, to set up a picture is the hardest thing. But to see something, that is something I enjoy and I love. And this is how my my... Um, my pictures happen. So this is what I mean when I say I'm an intuitive photographer. I do not have a studio. I wouldn't even know how to set it up or how to use it. And I also feel it becomes really hard, even flat lays. I've tried those in the past. I mean, I can see it if it's on a desk and there's something that I like, you know, I can take that picture. But as soon as I start messing with it, like let's say, I think that the pen looks a little weird on this desk here. Maybe it should be turned. It it no longer makes sense to me. So I, I hate to plan, but I love to discover what is out there. I think that's one 
reason maybe why the Omni filters work really well for you, because that's yes, something absolutely. that is really hard to replicate. If you've ever used those, yeah. you can get one shot. And yeah. then if you like it and you want to recreate mm-hmm. it, it's really challenging. I, I would even say it's impossible. I created one of my pictures was created with an absolute accident. So I was using an Omni filter and it was a silhouette and it's on my Instagram. Uh, it was the silhouette of a landscape. You see like a hillside and you see palm trees. And the way I was holding the prism into this silhouette, it reflected the sunset, but it was breaking the light into its um, different shades. It went from orange to red to purple. And I was, oh my God, you know, and then later I wanted to replicate this, this picture because so many people asked, how have you done that? I could not even find this spot anymore. And then I said to myself, that was so interesting because as photographers, some are more protective about giving out information and others are more open. I decided you can be as open as you can imagine because if you can recreate your own work, how would anyone on earth be able to do that? Yes. And the, the Omni filters, I think, are that way because it's almost like the light has to be the same as mm-hmm. well as the subject and then the angle. And when you move the prism and for people who maybe haven't used the Omni filters, but have used prisms, or I even think the copper rings, some of the other things that people will use to put in front of their lenses, just broken glass or, you know, sandwich bags, all of those things I think can be really difficult to recreate the image. Yes. Uh, once you've, once you've made it, it's almost like getting lucky, but isn't that like half the fun with some it of those things? Totally is. Yes. Every, every, every lucky accident is, is like the, the thing I work for. Yes. I, I, you know, as a photographer, I like to surprise myself. I just love it when I take a picture and then I'm like, oh, oh, look at this. <laughs> yes. I, I love that. I love that thought. I don't know if I've ever thought about that. I mean, I have definitely surprised myself, but I don't know mm-hmm. if I've thought about how much fun that is or if I've ever tried to shoot with that intention. Like today I'm going to surprise honestly, myself. <laughs> no, but Alison, that's a very good point. I feel it's something that he, people don't teach. You know, it's um, in the beginning of your journey, it's about f-stop and shutter speed and following the rules and everything has a reason why you have to set it up in a certain way and look at your composition, blah, blah, blah. No one tells you, oh, and once you've mastered that, a lucky accident is a valid picture. I think in the industry, you are much more um, worthy when you can explain historically why you created a certain picture and a lucky accident is nothing that is valued. You know, you don't make money with lucky accidents, but they can make you very happy. And I think a lot of people, once they hit that place where people are starting to ask, how'd you create that picture? How did you get that outcome? Then I think a a next natural step is teaching. And I think that being able to put into words how you created something can be more challenging than it sounds. Oh, when yeah. you are shooting creatively, I right. went out uh, a few days ago and I had a Holga film camera, which is, they call them toy cameras. They're plastic. And I had black mm-hmm. and white film in there and they're really easy to do double and triple exposures because you don't, you just keep clicking the shutter as many times as you want. And so I took a couple of triple exposures and I have no idea how they're going to turn out, but that would be an example of me. Mm -hmm. I wasn't intentionally thinking, can I surprise myself? But I was thinking, wonder what'll happen 
I'm going to put some black and white film in here and I'm going to click the shutter three, four times and I'm going to develop it and see what happens. And if anything's on there, great. It's going to be a lucky accident or a happy surprise. And if nothing's on there, well, I learned. So you can't click the right. shutter that many times and have the photo turn out. But <laughs> if something turns out, I'm not going to be able to tell somebody how to do that outside of saying, just go out and click the shutter three times and see what happens. Right. Right. Because there wasn't really a lot of intentional shooting behind it outside of that was my game plan when I went out that day. And, um, that, that was fun for me, but it's not something that I could tell somebody else how to recreate very. Yeah. And then again, I think even if you don't plan your picture, there's still a lot of intentions behind it that we don't see anymore because we have the experience, you know, you probably still watched your light where it's coming from and you still made sure what you want to include in the frame and what you don't want to be in the frame. So even a lucky accident relies on experience. Yes, that's true. I was thinking about my composition Mm -hmm. in terms of lining up the exposures and I was purposefully picking scenes that I thought Mm -hmm. might overlay well. I don't know because I see them because it was film, but Mm -hmm. that was, that was what was going through my head. And if I had to articulate it, I could, but sometimes it's fun to just shoot for fun and not have to worry about it. And I think that's one thing that has been fun when you and I have gone out on our photo walks, we just Mm -hmm. kind of walk and just see what we see. And if one of us wants to stop, we just stop and we don't always even stop for the same thing. And I think that's really fun too. It's like, I might stop and say, Oh, that's something that I want to, that caught my eye. I want Mm -hmm. a photo of that. And you might be thinking, what is she looking at or (laughs) vice versa? But I think that's the, the fun of being able to walk around with another photographer too, is to be able to say, Oh, what are, what are you seeing? What are you looking at here? And maybe trying to see if there's another perspective or another way that, that I can see it as well. So, yes, I agree. I can't wait to see those pictures. I hope you will show some on your Instagram. I hope that they turn out. Yeah. I've had a few recent experiments that have not turned out at all. I just developed a roll of film a day or two ago that outside of the effects of film soup, they, it was Mm -hmm. completely blank. The whole roll was blank. It just had spots all over the whole roll of film. Interesting. So they don't all turn out, but Mm -hmm. if I'm not trying then I can tend to get bored with my work. And so Mm -hmm. I, I like to push myself and I like to just see what'll happen sometimes and hope for those happy surprises. Right. We've talked a lot about projects and inspiration and shooting creatively. I think that you've given some great examples today for people to generate some ideas for when they're stuck in a rut, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you look for, what kind of inspiration drives you to pick up your camera. Good question. So like I mentioned before, since I would say, yeah, I can say I always have a camera with me. So that makes things easier to kind of be prepared to be in that mindset and to be ready for a picture. That's one thing that helped me to become a better photographer. Um, I find museums very inspirational, um, but we cannot visit those right now. So I read a lot of books during the last few months and I look at work of other artists and not only photographers, even though I'm always interested in what other photographers do, but also paintings and um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm always curious, you know, I'm interested in contemporary work. I'm also interested in, in 
old work. Um, it was Beethoven's 250th birthday last week. So there was a lot of Beethoven on my classical radio station. And I found that inspiring to hear about his life and how many obstacles he had to overcome to still still be creative and create all these masterpieces that 250 years after his birth are still relevant for, for people all around the world. Stuff like that motivates me. It's like to imagine under what kind of circumstances people have lived 250 years ago and that kicks my butt. It's like if he could do that, I can create my own masterpiece. So even when I'm stuck in a rut, I still work and it's not my greatest work. Of course not. And it doesn't have to be. But to continue to work, even when I don't feel it, that motivates me. Because eventually, it's, it's like this ebb and flow thing on the ocean. Um, so you have your highs and you have your lows. And if you've done it often enough, you know the ocean will never stop moving. So it's the same with your creativity. You have your moments where you hate everything. And like you said, you develop a roll of film and it only shows spots. And you're like, that's not great. But eventually you will have your high again. It's like, oh my Lord, look at what I created. This is amazing. And then another thing that helps me is to not take myself too serious. I did that for the first few years. I had very high expectations for myself and I, I don't do that anymore. I, I got to a point where I started to create because it makes me happy. I love to go for my photo walks. I love to have my camera with me. And when I pick it up, it's because something just looks pretty to me or I, I want to capture a moment. And even though, as I mentioned before, I'm not a great documentary photographer, I also do work that is just for me and my family. And it's nothing that I would publish, but that also makes me happy because um, it is meaningful in a different way. And, and even there, I mean, lucky accidents can happen where I'm like, oh man, this is, was meant to be something for the family, but it was a lucky accident and it looks like something else. And you never know. So I stay creative by staying curious and by just playing with my work. Uh, you mentioned curiosity a couple of times, and I think that mm -hmm. that is so important for us to remember. And also, I like that you mentioned looking outside of other photographers. I think that's so important as well, looking at other artists, looking at other yeah. things in our life that get us curious, and then feeling inspired to pick up the camera and see what comes out of that. I think it's that can be such totally. a Totally, yes. Yes, I mean, to go to your Instagram and see what other people do. It's like, oh, look at this, man. I never thought about it to look at it that way and to maybe want to re replicate something and then to discover something else while, while you do it, while you do it. I mean, even, even that is great inspiration. Yeah, and I think to, not sure if everyone feels that way, but in the beginning when I wasn't doing what I wanted to do, I was often jealous. I was like, why can I not create this great picture? And that is also something I had to let go, you know. And now I I can very freely give admiration and be okay with this wasn't my picture, it is yours, and I still admire it and I can feel love for your work or for anybody's work to let go of this um, anxiety, jealousy, this bad feeling. I want this, I want this, I want this so badly, you know, to let go and to say, you know what? I'll do it in my own time and I will get there. But all the time that I need until then and after that, I might as well share in a good way positive vibes with other photog photographers, other artists. That was also good for me. 
I think for me, part of that has come as I've gotten stronger in my own voice and my own style, because I can Mm -hmm. admire somebody who has a different genre knowing Mm -hmm. I've tried that. That wasn't for me, but I still can Mm -hmm. see that you do that beautifully and I love it. And I want to lift you up and cheer you on and, and right. I want you to get to your goals, even if they're not the same as mine, but I can, I can appreciate just the wide range of skill level and type of work that people put out there. And so I think that that's a really good point to make too, that the more we can cheer on other people, the more it sort of lifts us all up. Yeah, it surely does. Those positive vibes always come back. Yes. Well, it has been so good to talk to you today. I really, really I had a great time taking this time out to chat with me. And so will you tell us where everyone can find you online? Sure. You mentioned my username before and it's very, um, it's, it's everywhere. So I'm California lover on Instagram. My website is californialover.com. And um, yeah, it's in, those are the most important accounts. And from there, you will find your way everywhere else. But um, like I said, I meant I um, show most of my work on Instagram. And um, if you have questions, don't be shy. You can always send me a direct message and ask me questions. I love to share information. I love to share. Um, I love to help. So please do. Yes, I have found you to be such an open book. And so I definitely Aww. encourage people to reach out if they <laughs> see your work and they haven't found you before and they have questions for you because I know that you are open-hearted and open-handed with your knowledge and willing to help and share. So thank you for being that way as well because it helps, I think, all of us and it helps build that community mm-hmm. that we all that we all need that we talked about earlier. Right. Thank you for having me, Allison. This was fun. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to the episode today. I hope you're leaving feeling inspired to pick up your camera. And if so, I would love it if you would share this with a photographer friend or leave a review here on Apple Podcasts by hitting five stars or adding a comment in. Either way, I hope that you enjoyed our conversation and you're leaving feeling inspired. Mm-hmm.